You're listening to episode eight of Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. We're your hosts, Brandon and Daniela. Hello. Hi. How are you this week? I am wonderful. And what are we going to talk about this week, Brandon? We got a few things in line, like Greek yogurt and kombucha. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Are Not you... together. I think you could. I think you could mix them together and make something all right. I haven't tried it. Can't imagine. Have you been fermenting anything recently? I'm trying to think. I am still working on my um, ginger beer fermentation. It's currently bottled and it's sitting in the dark corner. I'm giving it probably You've been a couple doing that more for weeks, haven't you? Well, you're, I think you're supposed to let it sit for like four weeks. Yeah, um, that's the thing with fermentation; it takes a while sometimes. Yeah, so it's been it's been going for about a week or two now, and so I have a couple more weeks. Might give it a try. I'm going to look up first to see if I can even open it or if I should, but one of the bottles and just see how it's going. I'm sure you're not going to um, ruin it. You have two yeah. bottles, correct? So yeah, I mean, what's the worst that happens? One. Well, I don't want it to be the same type of accident or disappointment as I had with my quick version of it that included a lot of salts and um, tequila tasting. <laughs> sure, did it, it, margarita, tequila, yeah. Um, the, is there a lot of sugar in this to start out with that is, um, is fermenting? There is sugar. I'm trying to think of how much. I honestly can't remember now. Uh Mm, maybe okay. a cup, not that much. Okay, so no, not not that much. Mm, I mean, not more than a typical kombucha brew would need, I would think. Yeah, and you've been making some kombucha as well recently. I have. I have been reviving a scoby that hasn't that's been ferment dormant um, for some time, and I did. I I used green tea to try it again, just from stuff I've been reading. It. It suggests using green tea as the healthiest, or I'm not sure how legit this is, but I guess studies show that scobies are the healthiest when they are brewed. Studies show? Really? Are you sure about that one? Well, that's what I've read. I'm not sure what studies, but I have on on multiple uh, websites, it's been stated that a supposedly green tea um, produces healthiest, thickest scobies. So I've heard that too. Thickest, healthiest um, was is arguable, but thickest. well, of course, it's all arguable, isn't it? it, but, it generally, it supposedly does make a thicker scoby. So I just decided because I in the past I have usually mixed um, black or green tea or have gone just with black tea. So I decided to use green tea, and do not ask me what green tea because I cannot remember now. But um, yeah, it turned out okay. It's um, I think I, it needs another brew maybe to uh, to just. It just it had it, it tastes just like kombucha, but the taste was, I don't know, a little off. Um, and I think it brewed a little too much for me. Okay, so it's not that it brewed too much because it's it's sweet and and I I like sweet, but this was still sweet. But it still had this sweet sour taste, and it was a weird like mixture. Kombucha. Yeah, but not not like what I've done in the past. It's 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 kind of almost that taste where you let it go too long which I don't generally like to do because I like it sweeter, but then it was sweet. So it was just a really weird combination, but it's still fermenting in the fridge, obviously, because I bottled it up. And so I'm, I'm letting it ferment longer and I'm still drinking it out of it. And just, it's You're letting it's, it ferment in the refrigerator because isn't that just slow it down and stop well, it? It, it slows that it's still fermenting. Well, I guess it well, slows yeah, down in the refrigerator yeah, for months, but it's not. Um, and it, it has been changing. The flavor has changed in the week and a half that I've had it in the fridge. Um, kombucha does best being re- continually rebrewed. So have you been rebrewing the well, I have the not just because I still have a, a quite a bit of my previous batch left. And that is my plan to possibly do this week sometime is try it again. Um, you might try brewing smaller batches so that you I, I probably should, con- yeah. Continue I'm just so, so used to this size. I know how much sugar to water to tea ratio it. You're I, doing I, a gallon, correct? Yeah, and so it's um I think that's why I've just been kind of always doing the same same um amount. And but yeah, you're right. Probably should just make less and more often that I can. Yeah, especially if and you're nursing just, a sick scoby back to health and to see if it's even possible. I think it is. It's it's definitely working. It's just 
but the balance of the colony may be off. Yeah, and I think it could be fixed. I, I, I have faith in it. Well, hey, there's there's people that have faith, talk, uh, thinking of faith, and, and news about uh, getting Greek yogurt into school systems. Um, That's good. A good start. Uh, the USDA wants to get uh, Greek yogurt as a protein replacement option in school lunches. I think that Greek yogurt is available at some school lunch programs, but it's not being recognized as a protein alternative, I think is the the major thing. I've seen this come up a few times in the news lately, but the USDA is going forward, going to try a pilot program in New York. Uh, don't know off the top of my head what part of New York, but to to test this out, possibly spread it off to other states, I guess it makes sense. I don't know enough of, of all the, what, the USDA uh, recommendations for cur- nutrition for, for school lunches. What's generally considered a protein uh, sub? Well, what do kids eat in schools to? You're asking the wrong person. I don't know anything about, like just I was just saying, the trying USDA. Trying to think, like what? Like a whole bunch of meat? <laughs> well, um, uh, well, meats, uh, protein substitutes would be non, non-meat things, either for children that don't eat meat or don't want it on a regular basis. I guess, I mean, it... it Definitely ties into the whole nutrition side of things as in breaking things down in a very specific fashion of you should have this amount of protein per Which day. I disagree and with. I wouldn't say I disagree with it. I say oh, that I, do. I, I much more lean towards the, the Michael Pollan type of, of method of just eat food, not too much. I forget his little yeah, like, Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I just – yeah. I think the whole that but nutritionism this is, much, is still is still such a, a relatively young science. I just it think is, it's kind yes. of hard to break it down and say this is what people should be having, especially with how how drastically different some people react well, to different things. And how frequently they change their requirements. Eggs one morning are bad, one next morning are good for you. It's like, come on, how much I eat so many eggs, or I, I guess I haven't lately, but for a while, I mean, for years, every morning I'd eat eggs. I don't have cholesterol problems. Yeah, but of you course, don't know if you could have it later on in life. I mean, you're, you are very I just, I don't buy here. into it. I just, we as humans have never had that. No, but I would say that there probably are people that do have issues. I think, I think, I that think nutrition people- is beneficial for people that are not healthy, maybe, or, or people that could use more help. But I just no, I don't. I don't agree with it. It's just like eat good food, eat, eat real good food, and you don't need to balance how much protein am I getting or this. Or I think you want to be careful though when you're talking about that kind of thing, in the sense that different people, either uh, different health reasons or otherwise. But how many people do you really think are charting how much of protein or fiber they're consuming on a daily basis? I mean, really. I don't think, but I think the idea behind uh, these USDA options at lunch are to put people off on the right foot. Um, and the whole idea of uh, acknowledging yogurt, I don't know how much of it is pushing from the Greek yogurt companies to get this to happen versus like where, where is the motivation really coming for this? Yeah. That's always a question. I didn't look into that any, any farther, but um, I mean, the, the concept is that I think, like yogurt's available, they just want to push Greek yogurt, which is slightly more expensive, but be able to have that as an option because it, since the whey is removed from the yogurt, it's has higher um, levels of protein with less fat, I think, as well. Um, I don't know. It, Wait, I think that's much better than what I used to have at high school. Which or in was? school. Pizza Hut pizza and fries. It was a, offered every day in my school. Of course, they had a salad bar and other options. But if someone wanted to eat their pizza every day with fries, they could. And let me tell you, I was one of those people that ate the pizza frequently. I have since then changed. (laughs) But yeah. Now you only eat pizza infrequently for lunch? No, I love pizza still, but I also like my homemade pizza and, and I'm more picky about pizza that I do eat. But no, I would not eat it every day. Well, it I, seems that, that kids might have that as an option soon. So uh, look for that. And if, if you have a kid and, and 
is eating school lunch, then, then that might be there soon. Um, but, uh, but thinking of other things in the, in the news for, um, regarding way, which I didn't realize was, uh, New York, upstate New York is where a lot of the yogurt companies are centralized. Um, like Dannon and, and, uh, Jobani and a few others that I can't think of right now are all kind of up there so much so that there was, there was one recent article, um, from Bloomberg business week that was, uh, that it had a little, little thing in there saying that upstate New York is like the Silicon Valley of, uh, of yogurt. Um, so Silicon Valley of yogurt, I mean, it's, you know, I, I guess I can kind of see it. I mean, it's New York is, you know, changing, trying to get the Greek yogurt into the schools, trying to do all these different things. Um, the, um, the one, not, uh, the one issue is like with many industries, like the byproducts that are, 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 are the, the waste that accumulates from Greek yogurt specifically, there's the waste from the whey being removed. So in order to make Greek yogurt, you take regular yogurt and ferment yogurt, then drain off the extra way to make it thicker, but not so thick that it becomes a yogurt cheese. So, be, um, so you still leave some of the way in it and, uh, then, you, it, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of leftover way that you have to figure out something to do with. It's just like anything else in, in large scale production. If you have a lot of it, even if whey in general isn't toxic or unhealthy, if you try and dump a bunch of it into the river, it's not going to it's going to screw things up in the river and whatnot. You can't just like dump it. But some of the ways they're trying to figure out how to um, use it is in farm fields. It's good as a fertilizer. They're trying to figure out ways to develop it into other foods, um, such as infant formula. That's good. Um, and, and the interesting thing about that was for the infant formula, it was um, that it's the protein. Uh, it has a relatively high um, in the type of protein that is common in human milk versus cow's milk. So the whey keeps more of the protein that's similar to, to, to breast milk, uh, human breast milk. Um, so those kind of things were interesting. And then, you know, it's, um, it, it's the same kind of thing that happens with cheese. I mean, there's, there's plenty of whey and it's just figuring out different ways um, to, to use that. And uh, so there was, there was an article about that and, um, Bloomberg business week as well, but back to that, like first article was all about like the Chobani, um, CEO, which was, um, you know, there's been a lot of fermented dairy CEOs in the online news lately, the Kiefer CEO, Lifeway, and then Chobani CEO. And, um, it's kind of interesting though, looking at that. I honestly have never tried Chobani Greek yogurt. I haven't either. No, but uh, it's, um, you know, again, in upstate New York, uh, New York and the CEO, Hamdi Ulakaya, um, you know, came to New York in 1994 from originally from Turkey. And, uh, you know, at one point started started a company out of the old uh, a rundown craft or not a rundown, but uh, going out of business craft facility for making yogurt. And he, you know, started up a, a business. And. Uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't realize that it was a small start. Well, not, yeah, I don't know if it started out as a completely small company, but you know, it's just kind of interesting and it's still independent and the CEO says he'll always keep it independent. So I, I guess it's a popular yogurt a Greek yogurt. What I find interesting is New York of all places for a dairy product. Why not Wisconsin? Well, I mean, I think that there are, I don't know if there are any big players in, in, in yogurt. Oh, there's, I, I mean, of course, it's not relevant to the conversation. It's just interesting. Well, I think that there's there's good dairy land in upstate New York as well, and so that's oh, why okay. you're you're that getting makes that. Sense. Um, but yeah, I was just uh, it was it was it was kind of interesting because it was kind of when it started out as it was kind of an underdog. I mean, it's definitely not now. I mean, I think it's the the lead player in in Greek yogurts, but you know, started out as um, you know entering a rather saturated market with. Uh, big players like Dannon and um, other. Are they mainly specializing? So they are only producing 
um, Greek yogurt or are they doing other yogurts? Greek yogurt, as far as I understand, again, I have never tried well, that it. That makes sense, though. I mean, Danon is much more Because he came to this country and, and, and what was one of the quotes in there it was roughly something along the lines of that when he came here, he thought that the yogurt was uh, too thin, too sweet, and too something else. And, you know, so that's what that's what he changed. And that's what, I mean, when he, he, when he got into it, it was like 2% of the market, of the yogurt market was, was Greek yogurt. And phage, is it phage? How do you, how do you pronounce that? F-A-G-E. Greek yogurt, you know? I honestly have no idea. I don't even know. Age, fage, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that one uh, was was the major player, and they've definitely surpassed that. They sell a lot of Greek yogurt, and uh, seems well. It's it's a popular yogurt to be consuming lately. Yeah, definitely popular, especially with some of the a, diets and different things trend. out there. Yeah, and a trend like we're talking in the schools soon to be too. Yeah, it's just all over the place. Hey, as long as people are eating it, that's all that matters. Fermented dairy. Way to go. Very good. Yeah, so we thought, though, today we'd discuss a little bit more about kombucha. I think we've mentioned a few times. Um, and you're brewing kombucha right now. Yes. And have been. Um, it's It's one of those things where there's a lot of... Well, health claims and like uh, supposed Benefits. risks involved with it. Like, uh, you know, you kind of find that like, you know, there's the, there's the two camps, like those that say that like, ah, brewing your own kombucha is dangerous. And then the others that say it can heal you with all of these different magical powers. I don't think they say magical powers, but I get here. Okay. Yes. Maybe not magical powers, but it, it sounds rather, um, you know, magical in the sense of it's like stimulating immune system, preventing cancer and improving digestion and liver function. And I mean, the list goes on and on about the things that like many other health type products, people have claimed do certain things. Um, but in this defense, I think it has to do with the fact that it's a fermented product. People, I would, I'm guessing just assume a fermented product is beneficial. No, for people you. claim that they had I, things be cured, which maybe they have due to drinking kombucha. Um, but, uh, like most everything out there seems rather anecdotal. There's not a whole lot of concrete research that's been done on it. It's, it seems like a really, like supposedly been around for a long time. I mean, I think it was like the Chinese Sin dynasty. Um, and it's, I mean, which was 212 BC. So, I mean, it's supposedly been around a long time. And even back then it was referred to as the tea of immortality, um, uh, that it brought health, longevity, and well-being. So it's, it's been a long time that it's been considered something, but unlike yogurt or, or kefir or sauerkraut, even different things that have been looked at a little bit more. It's only very recently though, that kombucha is just, I mean, it's probably the most quickly to become popular fermented food slash beverage, I guess. Um, because it was only in like what the nineties that it really started being bottled and commercially available. Oh, I don't know the history really of kombucha like that. Yeah. I mean, it's come onto the scene very fast and it's become very popular very, very quickly. It's, and so along with that, it seems like there's just a lot of people that will, will, will say like amazing things about it, which I'm not saying that there, there aren't good things about we just it, don't but know it's, it. it's, it's sweetened tea that's fermented. I think your problem is that you just, we don't have any evidence, scientific evidence of the benefits. So you just don't want to assume, right? One way no, or the other. No, I don't want to make assumptions and there's just so much anecdotal evidence out there that it just clouds the, the waters and... On the other side, though, I mean, there's the other side where, you know, a few years back, a couple of women in Iowa died from what was uh, possibly considered um, caused by kombucha because they both had been drinking regular amounts of kombucha from the same uh, from the same original mother, Scobie. For and, how long or just um, for a long time? Well, they'd both been, been drinking it and they were both separate cases, but they, uh, one woman died and the other, I mean, one woman died, one just got severely sick. They didn't really know exactly what it was, but 
so then that's one one like supposed scary thing about kombucha. Some of the things that could be happening um, there is like possibly fermentation vessel, but there were other people that had been connected and like they found other people that had been brewing kombucha from the same original mother and that hadn't gotten sick. So there was really no conclusive evidence as to whether. Well, and that's kind of just silly because anything that food related that's homemade or even not, there's always a risk of getting sick from it. I mean, or having it, I mean, it's just a risk, isn't it? Well, to um, a certain extent, it's so severe that a person I mean, dies. I think, I, and I think anytime, you know, I'm making something, you know, just being careful with, you know, I mean, it's something, even if it's meat, cooking it really well, if it's not, you know, if you're not making like a steak. I mean, I don't know. It's just, that's just, I feel like it's a personal risk or individual case by case. I don't think it could just be assumed and then that's just going to affect everyone the same way or it's going to kill. I mean, there are people who have been drinking kombucha for years and years on and nothing's been wrong with them. So it just doesn't well, seem... that we know of. That we that know I, of? Well, well, yes. Well, I mean, it's like you, you, we don't... I. Um, I mean, one of the things for for safety reasons, it's not recommended to put it in a, uh, you'd be fermenting it in a ceramic or porcelain vessel that has lead glaze on it. Well, that makes sense. Um, because the acidity could eat into that and, and cause. I mean, it's kind of also, you know, maybe not fermenting it so much that it does have more alcohol and, and you're just drinking a somewhat alcoholic beverage constantly. I was actually, and I don't even know how accurate this is and this could have changed or, but I, I was reading something where Whole Foods stopped selling it because of the alcohol content. Is that, have you heard anything well, there like that? There was issues at one point with um, there being uh, under 0.5% alcoholic. It does, it foods, juices, any, like any juices or drinks or uh, beverages, if it's under 0.5, sorry, is it 0.5 or 0.05? I think it's 0.5. 0.5. Okay. Well, we'll go with that. It's 5%, it's right? Uh, no. I don't think it is. We wouldn't, 0.5 wouldn't be um, 0.5%. Yes. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, under that level, under that threshold, it does not have to be labeled as alcoholic. Anything above that, it needs to be labeled alcoholic. There was a point when I don't know what uh, government agency went in, but uh, sampled different bottled kombuchas to find out that there were some that were above that point being so that when a person bottles kombucha, either at home or otherwise, it is eventually, if it's kept in the bottle for long enough, it's going to continue to ferment. And so continue to eat those sugars and convert them into ethanol and create more alcohol. So there was an issue for a while. And I, um, so Whole Foods was probably the largest retailer of it at that point, but other grocery stores removed it from their shelves. It's since come back to most of those places just because whatever bottling issues they were having that was making it for fermenting high, longer or, or whatever the issue was. Maybe it had to be was. in a refrigerator and it wasn't. Because right it may, now... It may have gone to a point when it wasn't yeah. refrigerated. I, and it's, it's all, I, I think it's always been refrigerated. Because it's half a percent, right? Yeah, there you go. So it's um yeah there there was definitely that kind of scare too so it's had it's had different issues I mean it was even uh, who was Lindsay Lohan a couple of years ago claimed that that was why she had failed a uh a urinalysis Are you serious Brandon she Are we really on, talking about Lindsay Lohan She had blamed it on kombucha Wow and uh, and and was uh, was let off I mean she was like what on house arrest or something like that when um. Yeah, I was for drinking. Yeah, uh, for. I mean, yeah, there's. But I don't think there's enough alcohol in it unless you're drinking a lot of kombucha. Which, yeah, I mean, then I would argue it's like, well, yeah, that might not be healthy. I mean, anything too much of can't necessarily always be healthy. And I think it can be easy enough to drink a decent amount of kombucha because I I like the taste. Oh, I like the taste, but for me, if I have too much, then I'm just so thirsty for water too. Well, yes, it's I. Um, I drink a lot of water anyway, so it doesn't really make me more thirsty. I just oh yeah, but I mean, 
I I would easily drink a bottle or two a day. But I I have known um, people that just drink it all the time. And um, I actually took a kombucha class quite a few years ago. Um, it was like a, it was just a beginner's class on how to make kombucha. And there was a lady in in my class who was wondering if it was good or addictive because she just loved the energy it gave her. And I mean, she drink. She made it sound like she was just drinking a bottle constantly throughout the day. Um, and uh, I mean. The, the girls that were teaching the class didn't really have a good answer for it. They just, you know. Because there's not a whole lot of research out there. Well, I mean, and yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah. I mean, she was just wondering if it's addictive and, and is she well, it's practically sugar and drunk caffeine. off of it too. Or It's sugar and caffeine. I mean, you're. Well, Brandon, sugar is eaten while it's being fermented. I mean, it also depends on a person's preference. How long will they let it ferment? I mean, I've let my kombucha sit for longer than I wanted to, and it's not sweet at all. So you can't you can't just say it's sugar and caffeine. There's less there's less sugar once you ferment it. Yes, yeah, and which that's um, what there that is. is there there there's been a little laboratory analysis of kombucha on an independent level, but like um, one person says that their analysis showed that the caffeine was lower after fermentation, and uh, the other show that there was no difference in the caffeine level. So the caffeine you're putting in is the caffeine that's coming out. Um, I lean more towards that. Oh, I have heard that part of, yeah, the caffeine part. The caffeine being uh, being Consist- fermented in, in eating. I mean, you see both sides of it. I've seen it throughout the years of people saying one way or the other. I lean in the camp of the same level of caffeine is... is that's what I've heard too, but why do you lean towards that? Just... It just doesn't. It doesn't seem like that caffeine. What would they? What would the the bacteria and yeast be uh, metabolizing there? I just don't get okay. why the caffeine would change. No, I. Um, I it's possible I, I that agree. it is. I don't. I, mean, I don't understand enough uh, in depth about the microbiology uh, behind what could be going on. But it just doesn't. It, the, the sugars definitely. They're going to eat. The, I mean, that's where that tartness is coming from. Is they're they're consuming the sugars, but. My guess is that the caffeine is probably, but again, there's there's not a whole lot to back that up either way. I'm um, sure we'll find out. I more. think that's where a lot of the energy comes from is still from sugar and caffeine, because some people talk about it as a very energizing tonic. See, I don't ever get that feeling. I I, I, I just enjoy the taste, of it, but I never. But I guess I mean, even when I have my coffee in the morning, I don't necessarily feel. I mean, I feel a little kick once in a while, but. So anytime I even drink kombucha, I don't ever get that feeling where I'm like, whoa, I'm so awake or I. Mm. Caffeine affects different people differently. I'm, I think I'm rather sensitive to caffeine and that's also why I'm not uh, consuming caffeine anymore and, and drinking, if I'm drinking kombucha uncaffeinated. Um, but it's, Can you, I, is it possible to make uncaffeinated? Yeah, it is. You can ca- get um, caffeine-free teas to make kombucha, correct? Well, you can... There's a couple different ways that you can do it. If you're interested in making caffeine-free kombucha or decaffeinated uh, from decaffeinated tea, I think maybe you could get decaffeinated tea, but um, decaffeinated black tea, or uh, I guess this is is a point to kind of get into uh, the kind of teas that can be used with kombucha, um, is anything from the... Camellia sinensis plant, which is anything from white tea, green tea, black tea, um, you know, uh, oolong tea. Uh, any of those are the kind that you can use and have been used for a long time with kombucha scobies. And again, scobies being the symbiotic colony of uh, bacteria and yeast. That's where that acronym comes from. Um. You, you have the rubbery disc, usually disc form. It's going to take whatever shape the, the vessel that you're, you're fermenting in. So it could, if you have a square glass jar or something like that, it's going to be square. But generally it's a disc. Most, a lot of people ferment in like gallon jars or whatnot or, or gallon crocks. Um, but you have this, this disc, disc and you put it in the sugar water and let it ferment. But the tea comes from, it, it's a black tea, green tea are, are two very common ones. You can brew, like, 
you can put the the tea bag or the loose leaf tea. You can ferment that. I'm mean, not ferment that. You can brew that. A lot of the caffeine is released in the first thirty seconds, thirty seconds to a minute. I don't know exactly what some of the things out there are talking about, but um, uh, it's a it's it's the same way with with coffee. A lot of the caffeine is released in the with the heat immediately, and so you can then put it into another, like steep it in other hot water. So like don't use the water that the caffeine is mostly drenched in. And then if you're not hypersensitive to caffeine, then you still probably have some in there, but it's just like decaffeinated coffee still has some caffeine and I'm sure decaffeinated tea probably still has some caffeine in it as well. And so you can decaffeinate tea that way yourself or get decaffeinated tea because it doesn't necessarily seem like it's the caffeine. Again, there it's just more of like people's experiences. They're doesn't seem to be the caffeine that they're consuming or that they necessarily need to balance out and remain homeostatic in, in the, the brewing environment. So the caffeine's not as important. What does seem to be important is the nitrogen and tannins in the, um, in the tea. And so that's where the steeping process, even after removing most of the tea, a lot of those tannins are, are going to come out the longer it's steeped anyway. So you can decaffeinate it that way. Other people have had success with using herbal teas, herbal in the United States at least, referring to anything other than uh, a black tea, green tea, oolong tea. Um, you know, something. That's, that's also questionable though, right? It's not necessarily always recommended to use an herbal tea only. I've, I've, what I've done is always used um, like a green tea with an herbal tea to add flavor or give it, now people have different results. And so there may just be different different varietals of kombucha scobies. And some people may have bad results that their scoby dies or nearly dies. Whereas others are able to ferment like that for long periods of time. The general consensus seems to be that if you're going to use herbal teas, for one, don't use your only SCOBY. Although if you do, we'll get into it a little bit later how you can just grow your own. But don't use herbal teas for your only SCOBY. And then if, or if you're going to, make sure you get that SCOBY that you use to ferment. Every three or four batches, ferment it in black tea again. So that it you know, regenerates whatever it needs, whatever food it really needs, it gets. Black tea? What about green or... I'm sorry. Or any anything of the, from okay. the Camellia sinensis okay. um, uh, plant, is which which is where all those teas come from. Uh, the Camellia sinensis uh, shrub from China is um, is where you get all of those, those black tea, green tea, oolong, and white tea. They're just processed and developed to different levels of oxidization to get the different... They're... they're they're created differently, but they come from the same uh, same shrub. Um, I'm going to see how long this new scoby that I I just grew. Really quickly, do you want to just state what teas to avoid, or basically just oily? Do you know? What I well, I mean, I don't know specifics, but I, I do know to stay away from any oily tea. Um, I know Earl Grey is a big one. I know yerba mate. Um, and I know there are a few, and I've actually had this experience and it was horrible and I cannot think of the name, but the, the smoky teas that have that smoke taste smell, it's like a, um, like a, basically like a smoke smoked tea. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't I mean, know. Okay. And, uh, they just don't recommend using that just purely for Why the, not your mate? I've heard people use your mate and have success with that. Because it's oily. It, it has I used oils. to drink a lot of your mate. I never thought of it as an oily tea. Um, that's, unless I'm incorrect. Yeah. That's what, maybe it's not for the oil. I don't remember, but Yerba Mate was one of them too. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I could be wrong the on results that. may vary and you may find that it, that some of these yeah. teas do work. And again, if you want to use some of these tea, I, I think the Earl Grey, any, any of those that are more flavored, like fla- like flavored teas to stick away, to stay away from. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go herbal and you want to give it a try, it may or may not have the nitrogen, the tannins, the whatever else the kombucha scoby is using to eat and metabolize and ferment the kombucha. You know, it's like, again, just feed it what it likes and experiment with other things. Well, I mean, that's and again, how it is. If you, exactly. you're going to get multiple uh, scobies, 
Um, you'll get little baby scobies. You can pull off your mother's scoby. And so experiment with some of those so that you don't have to then start from scratch or find another scoby if things don't go the way you had planned or hoped. Um, but yeah, you can use um, the tea or I guess really just, just since we've kind of danced around it, all you really do is you, you, you got to find a scoby and you can either get it from a friend, you can order it online. Um, and then with that, that scoby, you can, um, you, you brew up some tea, um, and then add sugar. And then once that's cooled down to below, like to room temperature or so, then you put the scoby in that symbiotic colony of uh, bacteria and yeast. You put that in there along with a little bit of the last batch of kombucha because you want to start off that acidic environment to begin with. If you don't have kombucha, you can use vinegar, like watered down uh, raw vinegar uh, would probably be beneficial. Um, and you just want to like help push that in the right direction because if you're, especially if you're brewing a bigger batch, you want to make sure you have enough of that acidic environment already so that it doesn't invite other bacteria and molds and, and yeast into the, into the environment because that would be bad and you don't want that. And, uh, and mold is one of those things where it's like mold on kombucha, mold on other foods might be okay. Mold on your kombucha scoby, probably just a good idea to find another scoby. Um, just, you'll see people that will just scrape it off or whatnot, but the, um, given that it is a symbiotic relationship, in there and you're reusing these scobies, the, the molds could get into the, and, and, and brew something nasty eventually. Maybe, I mean, maybe not, maybe it'll always, always be fine. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have, that have had mold. I've had mold one time from a poorly taken care of scoby and I didn't die from drinking the, the stuff. I'm here, still here to do a podcast about it, but um, it just was never quite the same. So it was just easier just to start over. If you do have a kombucha scoby that dies um, and you don't have anyone and you don't want to order another one, you have a little bit of patience. I think I mentioned this in another podcast, but you just take a commercial bottle of kombucha and most of them will work, I think, if they're using a traditional fermentation method. And especially if you see a little bit of the, the a little bit of something floaty in the, in the, in the jar of the commercial brand, take that home put it in a, in a bowl, like a glass bowl and something that has a wide surface area compared to the depth and pour that in. I just recently did this, poured it into it, put a cover over it so you don't get any fruit flies or any flies in it. And then you, uh, this took a little under two weeks and I had a nice film and a scoby. It started developing after a few days and I just let it go until it you didn't have to do anything to it. Just let it no, sit. Just don't just let it sit. Just don't agitate kind of it. Don't move it. Don't mess with it. I'm sorry. Like, does it have to be a specific temperature? Just room temperature is fine. Room temperature, and it's just going to depend. Like most ferments, um, this is pretty flexible on what temperature it can be at. But like most ferments, if it's hotter, it's going to ferment faster. If it's cooler, it's going to ferment slower. Did you cover it, or is it just covered with to keep the flies out? Um, no, the flies out, but like the light. Or does that matter? I don't actually know. Kombu Again, kombucha is something that I don't do a whole lot of, but um, light, I don't know if that affects it. I've never had any issue having How it out. How was yours? Was yours? It wasn't covered. It wasn't in direct sunlight. Oh, okay. Well, then. Um, so it, it worked. I don't know what's what's best, though, for that. I do, from what I understand, at least with kombucha, and I'm sure it would work other ways, but they do say to cover it um, when it's fermenting. You cover it with the top, but you mean cover it so it's not like with a dark cloth. So it's not, yeah, exposed to sunlight or, yeah. I have never heard that. And I only think I would be well, concerned sunlight. about with covering it with, with something thicker is that it does need oxygen. So I'd rather give it more oxygen, like with a, a thin cheesecloth-y type covering on the top. So yes, maybe not covering it, but putting I mean, it in yeah. a dark corner or putting it into a cupboard might, might be beneficial. But I don't know about covering it with okay. uh, with something darker. But uh, that's that's another way to get a scoby if yours if yours dies. And so then you take that scoby, put it in the sugar water, 
for uh, for the sugar tea. Uh, one of the things that I just was a complete realization that that makes so much sense was, uh, you know, when I read the Art of Fermentation, the part on kombucha, uh, Sander Katz's book, he mentioned, um, which I don't think he 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 mentioned in his his first book, Wild Fermentation. At least I don't remember it. And I think that's the first place I ever read about making kombucha is instead of brewing the full batch, like if you're doing it in a gallon, maybe like you're doing three quarts of, of, of water in there because you want to leave a little bit of room at the top. But when you brew that, I would always brew that amount of tea. I'd three quarts of, of water and I'd put extra strong or I put the, the, the tea bag in there, the loose leaf tea and then ferment or brew the, the tea that way. And then I have to wait all night for it to cool back down so that I could add to room temperature. I could add the kombucha scoby. Well, it's kind of ingenious, but what he said he does is he just brews an extra strong small batch. So like he doesn't say exactly what it is, but um, you know, so what I done is just use a third, like, so like one quart out of my three quarts, I brew that at the same strength of tea and then in order to be able to cool it down real quick, just add cold water or room temperature the... water um, to make up the difference of those two extra quarts and it cools it right down. You don't have to wait all the, as long to be able to add the SCOBY because you don't want to add the SCOBY when the, the water's too hot. Yeah, because it would kill it. Yes, potentially kill it, maim it, do whatever. Unbalance the, um, the, 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 the colony. And so once you get it down to uh, room temperature, either with that trick or letting it sit overnight, and I've uh, done it many different ways of leaving the, the tea sitting in overnight. I guess that builds up extra tannins if you need. Um, but I've, I've also just done it for 15 minutes or oh, so. I've let mine sit for overnight almost every time. <laughs> just because I think to brew it late and then it's too hot to start fermenting. So, and so it works. instead of taking the tea out, the tea bags out. Oh yeah. I just leave it in. There you go. I mean, yeah, you can, I think it's rather flexible either way. I mean, go by taste, go by experience, what works for you and for what tea you're, you're using. But then what is it? Seven to 10 days, roughly. It's going to depend. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really depends on, yeah. How on the temperature, what the room the temperature is, how the scoby um, the size of it. I mean, how size the but batch. Seven to ten days, I think, is pretty much the 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 average of what you can expect. You leave it, the scoby in there in the jar. It's going to start thickening. It's it's um or it might sink to the bottom, and then float back up. I guess it really doesn't matter. I've had it both both ways where one's like not really. It doesn't float all the way to the top, but most of the time it will seem to float to the top and create another film on it, which is the baby scoby. So you can peel that off in the next batch and give it to a friend. You can make candy with it too. Um, really? Uh, yeah, I guess you can, you can fry it up or cook it up or whatnot. I've, I've never tried that, but you can, you can, you can eat it if you want. It's kind of just a, like a rubbery slimy disc. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't recommend eating it for, for, for people that are very sensitive to maybe certain textures or slime. At least without doing something with mm. it. Yeah. Adding it into food, processing it, otherwise food processing. Oh, yeah, otherwise. I mean it's very healthy, and well, I, mean, I guess I don't we how. don't know how how healthy, but delicious if it's added to like a smoothie or something. Yeah, but or not. If, you, uh, if you cook it up and turn it into a like a little hard candy type thing. You, um, yeah, yeah, I'll, just I'll, not eating it by itself. It's, it's a little weird. It's worth a try. Just take a bite uh, out of it. It's like a. It's, it feels like you're eating a placenta. Chewing. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Like chewing on like raw meat yeah, like a, <laughs> you yeah. are so weird yeah just it kind of looks like a um like a placenta um <laughs> but uh you can think about that the next time you're you're brewing your kombucha and watching that placenta float on top but it uh it it it, it, it after that that part of the process that those seven to ten days it you can taste it see if it's getting a little it's sour enough and then you start the process over with that scoby but you can do a second bottling stage where you either make it more fizzy. That's what some people are doing. So you put it into a closed bottle at that point and it's going to continue to ferment. Or if you want to flavor it, this is the time to do it. You don't do it before because you don't want to injure the SCOBY. So you do it later. And in, in that sense, you can do anything from fruit to 
herbs. I think those are pretty much the the two things that you would you would add for flavorings. Let it go for a ferment for as long as you want at that point. Again, to your your sourness level that you can take. Well, what's great about that is you could just make one large batch of regular kombucha and then break it into many small parts of different flavors. Yeah, I, there was just a recent post on the uh, kombucha forum on or the Google community Google that the Google Plus community uh, for kombucha. Um, it's uh, the, uh, there was just someone posting their their batches and they put them in mason jars and then uh, put the the fruit pears apple different Sounds things delicious pears I'm gonna have to try that one yeah it's, it it looks great and I think then the thing is too you're adding more sugar to it so it's not gonna then it's going to ferment some of those sugars as opposed to uh, or the sugars in the fruits it's gonna ferment some of those as opposed to just making it super sour so you know you have time to infuse it before then finally either um, refrigerating it or bottling it into more extended shelf bottles. like And the, eat the, the fruit pieces. Yes, and eat the fruit pieces. Um, I'm, I'm sure you could leave the fruit pieces in in the refrigerator. I don't know. I've never, I, haven't, I haven't done with fruit. So, but yeah, say. there's all different kinds of flavors that you can do. You don't just have to do the normal kombucha flavor, although that does taste good. But I do like it effervescent. I'd like it bubbly. Some people, you know, I mean... You love your bubbles, okay. though. You're a bubble guy. Bubbles guy. A natural bubble kind of guy. I'm not like one for seltzer water. like well, Yes, pumping. or soda or anything like that, I know. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just a little little bubbles that come out of nowhere kind of thing. I mean, obviously, realize that there's more going on than that. But, you know, it's like bubbles. I mean, firm up. I mean, fermentation uh, to boil and bubbles. And yeah, that's... <laughs> I think we got it. <laughs> yes, it's, it's definitely it. Um, one of the other interesting things uh, looking into kombucha a little bit more is uh, where does this SCOBY come from? Like many things like kefir grains or otherwise, we've seen where kefir grains come from. And if you didn't listen to that, listen to last week's episode. Um, so we see how those come about. Where did the kombucha SCOBY come from? Some... They seem to think that it isn't actually any different than the mother of vinegar. In vinegar making, you also get a a thin kind of topping over it in the process. That's news to me. It's from Acidobacter that create that. Now, uh, or or it, the Acidobacter are part of like creating the the vinegar, and you know, and and part of the, that process is you get that little little film on it. It's the same thing if you've ever had mm, Bragg's. Uh, raw apple cider vinegar you know you see that little sediment in there yeah i have seen very that, similar yes. to kombucha sediment in a bottle of commercial kombucha may or may not be similar probably started with the similar similar things um because it's um it's a cellulose that's formed that makes the scoby up maybe at some time we'll try experimenting and seeing if we can like if just as making kefir from a goat hide bag and kicking it, seeing if we can get kefir grains from that. You know, maybe we can try making vinegar and seeing if we can convert one of those films into something that can be used to make a kombucha of sorts. Or mix like vinegar and kombucha and then make an infusion. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they're, they're with all the different things out there for how people are using their or kombucha scobies, there's probably are differences between them slightly. There's even like a, a June or some other kind that's very similar, but supposedly brews faster and has different things. It comes out of Pacific Northwest, but it's a little bit more mysterious as to like what it actually is. But it just seems like it's probably something kombucha like um, if it's not kombucha. Different version of it, maybe. Yeah. So similar, similar idea. But some of the other interesting things that you can do with the scoby, if you have extra or if you want to grow scoby, uh, scobies, uh, and, and kombucha for sourcing or for using it for other alternative means. There's a really intriguing Ted talk that is, um, all about experimenting. This isn't in commercial production by any means, but a fashion designer looking at originally looking at how to, how clothing may be different in the future. Because our, our system now of growing plants and then weaving them into fabric and then sewing them into shapes, at some point we may be able to skip a lot of that. And in that sense, 
What about growing clothing? Kombucha, that's cellulose, the same stuff that makes up paper. You know, we, uh, you, she was growing, lar- and I think she still is, is growing large batches of SCOBY. So like in big um, tubs and the film will form over the entire tub. And so that uh, she's, she's kind of got it down to her repeatable results to get a real nice thick SCOBY and then lays it out and lets it dry. And it turns into like a, um, I guess it does depend on what kind of, what, uh, what sugar and, uh, and tea someone's using, but it can either be a very thin translucent, almost kind of paper thickness, or it'll be kind of vegetable leathery like. And I have, uh, um, because I think that Ted talk, um, in it, that will be, uh, that video will be in the, in the show notes at firmup.com slash podcast slash eight. And so you can, um, you can watch that. And, and I think it came out like a year or two ago, that video. And I did try, um, last year letting it just as an experiment, letting a SCOBY, a nice thick SCOBY dry out to see what I got. Because, um, I also have in the past made a lot of, uh, theater masks and I wanted to see if I could, you know, form that onto some, so it's just some shapes and make masks out of kombucha. And, uh, uh, just from the experiment, it does. It's just like this thick kind of flexible leathery type thing. Now, of course, making clothing out of it, she's like done all kinds of things. She's actually put it around uh, wooden objects and uh, tacked it down. And you get a nice like aesthetic look of that, like darkening oxidization of, of the the nails in the, in the kombucha and then pulling those nails out. It's, but it will form and, and dry and, and wrap around those things. And so, it's it's really intriguing. One of the downsides of trying to make clothing from kombucha is if it rains, it's it absorbs water. So um, and that's why. It, cool yeah, I mean, but as like if you if you ha- if you ever had a really thick kombucha scoby, and then you um, take that and dry it, it's going to get very thin. I can imagine. And so I mean, it's mainly- uh, because it, it it is mainly water. It absorb. It just so absorb uh, absorbing. And so, yeah, that's, that's one downside is there's really no, uh, I've seen that ceiling. talk. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. And, and, uh, there, there, I, I saw the an, clothes are actually fashionable uh, to a certain extent. I, I mean, think so. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. For what they are. I mean, and, and I look at it as more like an art project and experiment to a certain extent to see what kind of things are out. What's, what are the possibilities? And there was another Ted or not a, uh, a, a TEDx talk over in Britain that was uh, a little bit longer and she, went into a little bit of how like dyeing it with indigo, dyeing it with beets, dyeing it with different things and, and how it really absorbs color very well. And, um, and how, uh, with indigo, it can absorb the blue color, you know, the same color mm-hmm. that's used for creating denim color, like a, uh, she made an indigo jacket, a denim jacket looking thing. And, you know, it only took one dip to absorb that color. Whereas with a denim jacket to get a really good denim color, it takes like 15 dips. Oh, wow. Um, so it's very absorbent. The idea behind this is if there are these different methods that can be used. Now, of course, that's a rather expensive way of making clothing if you're going to be just using sugar and tea. Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> but well, what if she's posing... What if these things were being uh, coming as waste products from other industries, especially the sugar um, from a lot of the manufacturing of food stuff Plants. and it, you know, has waste water that is sweet. And so using that and those kind of things. And so I, re- I really like it's, it's fascinating talk, highly recommend going to look at it and also experimenting. I mean, people experiment with, uh, with kombucha and like stretch it out and paint on it and do different things with it. So it's, it's like, you don't only have to, uh, grow kombucha or make kombucha just for the tea, even though it's great and has mixed health claims, but you know, it's, it's still, it's still uh, delicious drink. Yes. Still a delicious drink, but you can use it for artistic projects for, for, for science projects. Um, you know, the, and if you just want to have some fun with your coworkers, bring it in. It looks like beer. The finished drink. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're putting it in clear glass bottles or, or whatnot, um, you know, and it smells like beer. So people are convinced you're 
you know, you might be drinking beer and really you're not. I think it smells a little bit more like a Wait, hard apple cider you maybe. you tell me about a story, story that uh, a kid was suspended from school because his mom packed him a kombucha and they thought he was drinking beer? Wasn't oh, there, yes. I forgot about uh, including that article. Which I thought was so... I, I think it was a little bit older article, but... Um, uh, yeah, a kid was uh, was suspended and and uh, poor kid spent the whole day in that, the office, right? Yeah, the kid spent the entire day in the office, and I guess that makes sense if they thought it was beer, but I still don't know why it makes sense. I mean, the kid was not drinking beer, and it's just disappointing that he had to miss an entire day of class for this, and was going to miss five days of school. But I think that the suspension was revoked, but they were still at the time of that journal Which- article. Which brings me to a thought, and I think actually you pointed this out. This is slightly off track, but just quickly, if someone does something wrong in school, you it seems really silly to punish the kid then by having them sit in an office and not learn. It's just like they're they're in school to learn, so you're going to punish the kid by not having him or her learn and just sit. I yeah, just given thought. given that this isn't a. Uh, education podcast. No, I know. It's just, probably a good idea. We don't get into those those waters. Just but a yes, there's yes, there's many thoughts that a person could have about any kind of situation like that. This is one scenario. It's kind of like this for is, a kid. It's like sweet. I don't have to be in class. You know, I just get to hang out. Or maybe that kid was very so missing their I studies. Guess. They might have had an exam that maybe they were they so really excited were about. Maybe they were being punished then. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I'm uh, packing kombucha in a glass bottle for a kid in school. You know. At least uh, notify the school beforehand, especially if they're, uh, uh, you know, ones to crack down on 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 something that they suspect is is beer. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it it was an interesting article. It wasn't very much. I mean, uh, I, but yeah, if you're if if you're packing it for school, just be careful. Um, you know, and one other little little tidbit is I I sometimes like to look at uh, if you're familiar with with Google Trends. Um, like trends.google.com, you can you can search what uh, the trends are, like the search trends for different keywords over a period of time, anywhere from present day back to 2004. And so I was just curious, since again, kombucha seems to have like it just exploded in popularity, especially once celebrities started, you know, walking around with the commercial bottles of it and you know, planting their kombucha. And I think that that probably helped as well um, in the popularity of it. But uh, but just out of the comp- uh, popularity of, of searching for the term kombucha really has kind of gone up and down over the years, but it's stayed pretty steady over since 2004 to present so, day. Oh, that's good. I, that's interesting. Um, but, uh, but when you break it down and look at um, different keywords, similar keywords, kombucha benefits – like as in health benefits, yes. that has definitely risen over the last few years. So people are very much so interested in what the health benefits of kefir are. Whereas kombucha. maybe at one point, or yes, kombucha, at one point, maybe people were more interested in just the taste because it tastes good. And that's kind of what I like. And that's kind of what we're about here at Firm Up is like the health benefits are a nice side effect when they are there, when they're not, or when they're not, they don't have any evidence behind them. Definitely not going to push anything for that. And I think for, even for probiotics, I think there's like, if a person is trying to drink more living foods. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's things other than, than sweet tea to be the, to be a, be a health drink, but as a tasting good drink, I think it's great. Or um, if it's going to keep you from drinking soda or something that yes, you might I mean, want to cut down on. Yes. I guess if a person drinks a lot of uh, Pepsi or Coke, then they're definitely going to have a different, the health benefits are more from lack of drinking that stuff in the replacement side of things, it seems. But um, one of the other uh, interesting things is if, you live in Oregon, you are much more likely to search for kombucha. That's the other thing you can do with really? uh, with trends oh, is look at the different states. And um, Oregon is by far the uh, the highest ranking state for um, you know uh, it shows them in different different shades of blue, and it was the only one that was the dark, rich blue. The rest were like lighter blues. And uh, Wisconsin, where uh, we currently live, is uh, you know at about fifty percent of the level that Oregon. Um, searches, wow. searches, people in Oregon search for the word kombucha. But no matter where you live, you can at least drink kombucha at this point, I'm assuming. I mean, I, I'm sure there's still places where you can't get it in the grocery store. 
Um, but it's not just Whole Foods. I know Whole Foods was a big one at one point, but you can get it almost all anywhere. kinds of places. Um, if you're in a small rural town, you might just have to order a SCOBY online if you don't know anyone and um, that that has a SCOBY. But you know, you you can easily reproduce it that way, and um, it's easy to make at home. And give it a try if you haven't. If you already do, maybe try a few different flavors and let us know. Uh, let us know what you do with your kombucha. Please do. I'd love to hear some stories. Uh, you want to? You want? You want some different kombucha uh, yes, flavors? Yes, I have to try. been very boring with my kombucha. So yes, help Daniela be less boring with her kombucha flavorings. So if you have anything you do in the second fermentation stage, send them Daniela's way, and uh, you can reach us uh, uh, by email podcast at firmup.com and uh, you can also uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firmup on Twitter we're at firmup and uh, yeah like you can find the show notes for this episode at firmup.com slash podcast slash eight and come back we'll see you uh, again next week for some more fermentation fun 